0: and the waves were just Mm -hmm. massive. And I went out there and anyway, so I'm just in the lineup and then I get caught in a a rip current and I get sucked out. I'm starting to get sucked out towards these huge waves in the back. I'm paddling sideways. I wind up getting out of the rip current and wind up on the shore like a mile down. And I'm like walking back up the road and my family's driving down the minivan and my dad's like, hop hop on in. (laughs) And so anyway, we go back to the hotel and and they were waking up the next day and he's like, all right, pack your things up. We're going to go and get that get those photos today and I'm just like (laughs) there's no way I'm going back and uh, he just basically forced me to go back yeah I wound up catching some of the biggest waves that I've surfed in my life it's something that again how do I channel more of that back towards my business
1: three two
0: one welcome to the mind for life podcast the
1: mind for life
0: podcast where your thinking can change your life. And now, here's your host, Jeff Bogazic.
1: Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to the Mind for Life podcast. My name is Jeff Bogazic, and I will be your host for the next 45 minutes or so. And let me just tell you, the goal of this program is to help you to think, learn, and live a little bit better every day of your life. I am so grateful and thankful that you are here and that you are listening to this program. And we've got a great show for you. My special guest today is Brian Lisher. Brian is the founder and CEO of Ignite, which is an award-winning branding agency specializing in brand strategy, brand identity, and brand storytelling. So, if you are an entrepreneur or if you are a founder or if you are working with a brand, Brian's company is your go to source. With over a decade of experience in branding, digital marketing, and design, Brian has worked with brands in the industries of healthcare, life sciences, technology, financial services, and more. His work has been featured in major publications, including Forbes, Entrepreneur, the Huffington Post and Brand Quarterly. And, and, and Inc. Magazine has named him one of the top branding experts in the country. So it is a very, very exciting time and it's great to have him with us. And we're going to get to the interview in just a minute. But let me tell you what the program is about. Though Brian is a brand strategist, this program is going to be talking about risk taking and why risk taking is important for your Success. If you've been following along with us, we are in the midst of a 52 week series on the essential skills that you need to succeed in life and business. And today we're going to be talking about risk taking. Also, I want to encourage you to, first of all, stick around to the end of the program where I give my top learning moments. Those are the top things that I have taken away from talking with Brian. And I want to encourage you to go to the show notes page for this podcast. It is located at mindforlife.org/slash zero five seven. There you will find all the information you need to know about Brian Lisher and Ignite brands, including the top learning moments and where you can connect with Brian online. Also You'll find there an opportunity for you to join us in the 52 Essential Skills course. And there will be links there for the article that started it all, which gives the 52 Essential Skills plus an opportunity for you to download the 52 Essential Skills assessment form and take the assessment for yourself, as well as a link to join our Mind for Life Essential Skills Facebook group and be a part of this course every day of the week well that's all i have and i want to encourage you again stick around to the end where i give my top learning moments and now let's get right into the interview with brian lisher all right brian it is really really great and a privilege to have you on the program today i want to thank you for taking the time with us so good to have you with us today
0: Thanks for having me, Jeff.
1: Yeah, um, so we've read through your bio, but if you would just for our audience, kind of give a little description of what you're doing now and maybe uh, even how you arrived at where you're at in uh, in your life and in your career.
0: Great. Yeah, It's um, it is an interesting story. So what I'm doing right now, there's a few things, but my primary focus is I am founder and CEO of... A branding agency called Ignite and we help companies uh, discover their authenticity and then tell more uh, meaningful and engaging stories so it's part strategy part creative on the strategic side we come in and we do uh, customer research we do internal brand research we actually have a PhD sociologist on our team that's heading up that research competitive analysis it's really about understanding current Brand perception. So, how do people perceive you? How do they experience you? Because it's a brand doesn't really exist. A company exists in the Mm -hmm. physical space as people and it has a building. But the brand, it's actually brands live in the minds, Mm -hmm. and they're they're really just perceptions. So, the only way to understand those perceptions and better position your company for growth is to do research, and then based on that research, we do uh, these hands-on, interactive branding workshops. We call them brand focus workshops with our client's executive team. And uh, moving from there, we do visual identity. So logo design, color palette, just the overall look and feel, photography, and um, and then just building out the brand, brand development. So website design, all the different touch points, the mar- marketing collateral, the messaging, um trade show booths. It really just depends if you're, a uh, if one of our clients is a product based company, it's, it's designing packaging or signage. So it's pretty, pretty comprehensive and it's a lot of fun. It's, we, we really, uh, tap into the fields of psychology and sociology and mythology to, uh, really unlock, um, the full potential of our clients' brands.
1: That is Incredibly interesting to me. So like the psychology and the perception. And ultimately, I think what you're doing is you're doing persuasion, right? You're trying to uh, help that brand to persuade their audience that they are who they say they are and they're the right fit for what they're looking for, what their clients might be looking for. How did you get into that?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it it began with psychology. Actually, I I studied psychology and communication at UC San Diego. Okay, And there was a time where I thought I wanted to become a psychologist, a clinical psychologist, or even um, someone that would do research into neuroscience. And it was just something that really fascinated me. But going through a couple years of those college courses, I started to realize that, like, I'm not going to be a psychologist. I'm just really interested in it. Yeah. So I continued to study it. And then I got into marketing after I graduated college. And I spent over a decade uh, working in mainly digital marketing, because okay. uh, that was the early 2000s. And search engine optimization and online advertising were just becoming a thing. So it was really exciting. Got involved with that. I worked with some agencies. I worked client side and, um, that led me up until about 2012, 2013, um, when I was laid off from my job and it was really a blessing because the company that I was working at was, um, You know, it's just like the recession was going on. There was a lot of forces that were impacting that industry, the marketing industry, a few years um, before that. And it it just finally caught up and and the company was downsizing significantly. I survived several rounds of layoffs. So I spent about a year after they started doing the initial layoffs. There's 100 people, around 100 people working at the company at the time. And then when I left, there was probably about 25. So it was a very difficult uh, situation and I felt a little trapped, um, in that position. It's, I, 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 I had realized that, um, I set these goals in my life. I reached them and I was miserable and I didn't know what to do about it. And I had a, um, you know, pretty comfortable lifestyle. I lived in a nice loft in downtown San Diego. Mm -hmm. And I was definitely, you know, making pretty, you know, good money, but also spending more than I was making. So I found myself trapped. And so being laid off was actually the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And I even at the time that it happened, it never feels good to get laid off, but I never saw it as a bad thing. I got a severance and it really bought me some time to take a year off and figure out what I wanted to do next. Mm -hmm. And that's what had led me to begin my, I would say, official entrepreneurial journey because I'd always done entrepreneurial things. I mean, even being a kid, uh, mowing lawns and, you know, finding different ways to make money. But, um, you know, as an adult, I was already doing some freelance consulting work on the side. But that is so different than actually building a company. So. Right. That's, that's kind of how I went from, um, you know, studying psychology and, in, in communication in college, then applying that to digital marketing. And digital marketing is great. We you know we still do it within our company, um, but I wanted to even get deeper within. It's we're working with brands that were. Uh, broken in certain ways and misaligned and like a brand psychologist, I want to get in there and fix them mm-hmm. more than promote them. But that's not what the company that I worked for at the time did. They weren't doing so. That. Yeah, they were doing the, more of the promotion. So right. that's that's how Ignite was born. It was, it was really um, started as helping companies figure out who they are because that is one of the most powerful things. That's what I did on my year off was – really shed away all the layers that weren't working for me anymore, getting to the core of who I am. And then just, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about taking risks. So (laughs) like the biggest risk that I've ever taken in my um, professional life was starting a a business. So that's kind of, that's, that was the path. That was the journey.
1: That was the trajectory. So let's talk about that because it's a It's a completely different thing to have a job and have security and work for someone else uh, to do your nine to five, you know, put in your time, go home and then live your life than it is to say, I'm going to start this entity. I'm going to have all of the chips on my shoulders. We're going to go full fledged with this thing and uh that takes a completely different mentality and obviously we're talking about risk taking so let's get into that a little bit that's a big risk would you say
0: it it's so risk just like branding risk is it's 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 a matter of perceptions as well and perceptions reality though and that's something we talk a lot about in the branding process is is how, whether it's with a brand, how people perceive you is, is a reality. And in this case, how you perceive a certain action, um, let's call it this risk, how you perceive it, um, really influences the way that you feel about it, that, that perception becomes a reality. So in some ways it wasn't a risk at all. I was, um, it, it, felt like it at the time, but I also, I didn't have anything to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was lucky in that I had already been laid off. I took a year off. I ran out of money. I was in, you know, in debt, not, not in a way that I was panicking, but just, okay, now it's time to go start making money and get back on track. And I was living with my parents cause that was the way that I got more runway mm-hmm. is, uh, just getting out of my expensive apartment lease, <laughs> selling things, um, you know, I was 31 years old. I was single at the time. I didn't have kids. Um, I had nothing to lose. It, it definitely, um, felt like a risk at the same time, but it was probably, it's, it's a lot easier in that situation than if you have kids and, you know, a family and, and other different types of circumstances. But, um, yeah, it's ri- ri- risk is interesting because it's, um, I've actually through taking so many risks in my life, both uh, whether that's going on adventures like mountaineering or snowboarding or surfing big waves in Hawaii. We could talk more about some of those adventures um, in a minute or starting a business or starting side businesses or taking out loans, expanding my business, hiring certain people like betting big on them. Um, it's it's uh you know risk is everywhere and at the same time it's nowhere and i've just found that um like failure doesn't really exist if you don't give up so right. like what are we afraid of and it's 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 i think the challenge is that even if you could cognitively separate that idea that there there really is no risk that we are just wired biologically that um it was a survival mechanism to uh have that fear. But, you know, you know, hun- tens of thousands of years ago is about like saber toothed tigers. And now it's about starting a business and like, you're not going to die if you start a business, but it actually feels biologically like you might die. Hmm. Um, it's just your ego. But so, it's not your physical body.
1: <laughs> so do you, so do you then do something to uh, intentionally to maybe rewire your neurological circuitry. In other words, do you do something to try to maybe talk yourself down off the ledge when you're faced with a risk, or when you're faced with a big fear, or when you're faced with a big decision, or what do you? What type of a process do you go through that enables you to look at risk? quite a bit differently than most people do because let's be honest most people when they're looking at okay are we going to you know take out a 4 million dollar loan to expand the business when our income is barely a million dollars a year you know when people are 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 facing those type of decisions there's a little bit of hesitancy so what what do you do how how do you how do you handle that how how have you been able to maybe think about it differently
0: sure it's a great question and it's, it's a different answer if we're talking in more of my, let's call it personal life. So out rock climbing or mountaineering, cause the the risks are real. It's actually like you will die. Right. Um, and then with, but let's start with the business. So I have some great mentors in my life. Um, and the one thing that, uh, one of my mentors that asks, asks me frequently, anytime I find myself, uh, feeling any so- sort of sense of fear is the best question. And I encourage everyone in the audience that's listening to this to ask themselves this or get someone else to ask them it which is what's the worst that could happen right and you start working backwards well okay the business could fail and I'm gonna have to lay off everyone and then I'm gonna have to move in with my parents and and then it's like all of a sudden like really quickly I just I I start to realize how irrational, like they're like, even if that did happen, like, you know, it's like big deal. Like my ego might be a little damaged, but I'm going to bounce back right. and I'm going to, you know, re rebuild the business and it's going to even be stronger. And so it's, it's interesting. Like I've, I've just now, like I get stuck in the same thing, but then if I have someone that I trust, like a mentor ask me that question, I just start working backwards in a state of panic or fear. And within, Thirty seconds as I start talking out loud, I realize how ridiculous it is because I do feel like I'm about to die, and then I'm like talking. Oh, the worst thing is I might have to move back in with my parents for a couple months. Right, right. <laughs> it's not <laughs> and, so bad. And there's just a disconnect from the feeling to the actual reality, that perception to the reality. Um, there's also another thing to to separate it, especially in more the the business work life, is there's a difference between um, your circumstances and and your perception of your circumstances. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's again, just trying to separate emotion from a logic. It's not that the emotion isn't bad. You need to acknowledge it, accept it, but then, but then try to get back to the reality of whatever the situation is. Uh, what is the worst thing that could happen? Now, if you have a family and kids and the, and, and you don't have a support system, and the worst thing that could happen is that you're going to be homeless. Like that is very different situation. and You might want to reconsider taking that risk.
1: Right. So, uh, do me a favor, and let's let's get into a little bit because I've got a question. I think that will maybe bring it a little bit more home, but talk about some of the other areas of your life. You do like to mountaineer. Do you, do you go mm-hmm. camping, climbing? Uh, you like to surf? What what do you like to do? Serengeti, big, big game hunting or?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that, definitely not the big game hunting, right. but, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. So I've always, uh, growing up in San Diego, I've always been a surfer for, for quite some time. And, um, snowboarding is something else I do a lot. I, I've i been about tw- 25 days this season. I did 36 last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go out to I have a season's pass out to a uh, mountain in Utah okay. uh, called Snowbird. It's a really big, challenging, fun mountain. Um, and then the mountaineering, it did start with hiking probably about four years ago. And I just, I started to hike some uh, mountains, uh, that are somewhat local to uh, San Diego, a couple hours North. And that just, I mean, just with my nature, that just everything escalates really quickly. So I I started off hiking and then I started doing these solo backpacking trips. And the next thing I'm, you know, rock climbing in the rock climbing gym, and then I'm out hanging thousands of feet (laughs) above the ground. And then I'm mountaineering and I'm starting to combine things. And, um, and so that's all been really, um, fun and rewarding. And I was actually just, so I was snowboarding, uh, this was just last weekend actually, and I wound up getting injured. But, um, so one thing that I realized while I was snowboarding, because I am, I'm dealing with my own challenges within my business. Like they're always there right. and I have certain fears and all sorts of emotions around them. And I'm, so I'm snowboarding and I'm, just taking a really steep, challenging line, having the time of my life. I'm listening to some good music, just enjoying it. And, um, I, I I'm just asking myself, like, why, why can't I feel that way in my business? Like, right. what, what is the difference here? Like I can actually get really hurt right now mm-hmm. physically snowboarding. I, it's just my ego that's involved or, you know, I, I, of course I worry about hurting other people. Like if, I'm um, you know, make a bad decision and you ever have to lay someone off. Um, but, but there aren't any life and death consequences there yet. I'm just having so much fun snowboarding and then I'm so (laughs) worried about my business. Um, I don't have the answer yet, but that's something now I'm really curious about is how, how can I like using it as that, um, almost like a metaphor, like how can I just be, um, you know, enjoying this path, uh, you know, through the business mm-hmm. like I like I do um, with snowboarding. So that's that's something that I'm really curious about because I am a I do believe that risk taking it has a, a genetic predisposition. Like, because right. I was just born a risk taker. Yeah, but it's also something that I stepped into. It's something that my family encouraged. It's I've just surrounded myself with other risk takers. Um, so, um, why, you know, why, why do I get stuck sometimes with the business more than I do with the, in the physical realm? Yeah. Because uh, it seems
1: like in the physical realm, the risks are greater (laughs) and you could die. You know, like you said, if you're, you're hanging off a cliff and something goes wrong, it's over, you know, there's, there's not a likelihood that you're going to, but, but it's, I don't know, you know, that's a good question. Is it because... There's so much on the line that you just feel alive more or maybe do you think it has something to do with your perceptions of your own competence uh, so for example, when you're snowboarding it's all on you right it's everything's on you and you have to know that you're you you have the ability to conquer to do well. Whereas maybe with the business, there's other factors. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think it, it, it does have a lot to do with that. It's two things that, that have come to mind as I, I recently started to contemplate this is, so one thing is confidence and I have like, especially within a resort there, there, really isn't much unless I'm going off a really big cliff or something that I could get really hurt. Like there aren't many times that I'm not feeling really confident because I've just mastered that. And with it's, it's it's actually it's, it's hard to find um, like runs on the mountain that are so challenging that I'm not going to feel confident. Right. But within the business, I'm just every time like, you know, I set goals and by the time I get there, I've already set 10 more goals. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like this rapid acceleration and it is my first business that I've built. So it's like I just keep pushing further and further and we're growing and we're growing and it's just constantly unknowns mm-hmm. that I naturally find myself in situations where um, I have almost outgrown my confidence level. So okay. it's, it's trailing behind me and I see confidence like a muscle. And it's something that you need to exercise. Mm -hmm. And the only way that you can exercise it is by constantly throwing yourself into challenging situations that you don't know what to do and overcoming them. And so I've found that my confidence level is continuing to build, but I am always, almost always ahead of it. And when I'm not ahead of it, then I'm in this comfort zone. And maybe I'm just taking a breather for a couple days or a week, but that that is not a place where we're growing,
1: right? So that's so you,
0: that's a big part of it. I think the yeah. confidence.
1: It seems that there's an inverse relationship between the level of risk, your or maybe you bring them all together. The level of risk, the your perception of your own abilities and confidence, and your growth. Both personally and in your business, so in other words, if you are if you are taking if you are push if you're living out let's say on the edge of the mountain there right and you're taking the risk a little bit beyond what you're comfortable doing, that's the area of growth and if you in other words, if you kind of go backwards, you almost go down a little bit, but if you go too far forwards. You get, you have to face this demon of fear that's out there, you know, wondering if you can do it.
0: Yep, yeah, and I, I think for me, I just, it's, um, it's harder to find those places that I'm not confident in the physical world, and that's probably because I spend ninety nine percent of my time working. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's like I, I just don't have that much time to. Go, go on these crazy adventures like I, I was up in in Washington a couple years ago doing a mountaineering trip and the conditions were just really bad we wound up having to turn around about a quarter of the way into it um, but we're already I think you know 10 hours into it yeah. so um, we should have already been to the top and coming down uh-huh. and um, and yeah there, there's just this one section where Uh, So it's mixed climbing, we're Mm -hmm. on glaciers and we're climbing up rocks, we have crampons on, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're rock climbing, we're scrambling, and there's just this one section that was more of rock climbing moves, and it was a couple thousand feet up, and I remember... Uh, reaching up, and it it had snowed. It was actually at the end of the summer. I think it was August or September, and it was the first snow. And Mm -hmm. it just snowed a little bit, but then it was melting. The water was coming down. So as we're climbing, the water's going over our hands. It's freezing. I pull on this rock, and it comes out. And I'm on a rope. So it's like I slip a little bit, and the rope catches me. Mm -hmm. And um, everything's fine, but I was just shaking. I was, uh, in that moment, pretty pretty nervous. And so I do find myself in those situations. And it's it is the um it's the same feeling as when I'm experiencing fear within let's say my business or, or work life. The one difference is that I'm not judging myself when something's happening on the mountain. I'm not saying I'm not beating myself up and saying, you're a horrible rock climber. Mm -hmm. You're never going to be able to do this. I'm just like, okay, like this is not good. Like, yeah, (laughs) I don't want to die today. (laughs) And, uh, so that, that goes back to the second thing that I've learned about, um, confidence, which is, or just stepping in and taking the risks is, uh, so the first one was, um, around confidence being a muscle. Mm -hmm. And the second one is just, it's just your ego speaking. And so it's that's something that I've been trying to get into check. And it's just, it is, it's, it's, um, it's that negative self talk that's happening mm-hmm. subconsciously, like, you know, continuously. Like, as you're, as you continue to push yourself further and further and get into situations that you aren't comfortable, that's when the ego really kicks in, gets worried, and, uh, starts that, that negative dialogue mm-hmm. and uh that's that's a killer of confidence which then is a killer of risk taking which just leads to a mediocre life
1: right so how do you have victory over that i guess you could say what what do you is it a matter of doing pushing yourself is it a matter of how do you combat that yeah i think
0: it's it's pretty Similar to what I was talking about before, which is um I think just asking myself what what is the worst that can happen. Mm-hmm. I also have a really strong support group of mm-hmm. other entrepreneurs and um just going out and asking them for experience shares of if, you know how they've dealt with that same type of experience. And um ultimately it's you just oh another thing is just not getting attached to outcomes and mm-hmm. so that's um i i'm into meditating that's something i got into a couple okay. years back and i um follow some some of these uh like buddhist monks that that will record these uh, meditations so that it's like all these talks and like one of the recurring themes um within buddhism not that i'm buddhist but mm-hmm. it's 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 a great narrative for me is around Um, not being attached to outcomes. Mm -hmm. So it like setting an intention of what you want to do, but then focusing on the doing not on the outcome Mm -hmm. because the outcomes, they might come. Um, they don't always come like as quickly as you want. And sometimes they feel like they aren't coming at all but it it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be planting those seeds, like a farmer mm-hmm. doesn't <laughs> he's worried oh, is it gonna be a dry season? It doesn't mean he just doesn't plant seeds right. You plant the seeds and you you try your best and you just focus on the doing mm-hmm. and on you know whatever that task might be for you and and not get attached to the outcomes
1: yeah, that's a good I think that's a very good point on focusing on the process or the journey rather than the destination. So the next question for me uh for me would be, does that change how you set goals? In other words, we typically set goals based on outcomes or destinations for whatever it may be. So does that uh does that like thinking pattern change the way you think about what your goals are going to be and and what you're cause I mean, I don't know if that's the way it is with you that you just say in five years, we want to be here. And that's usually about a destination or that's usually about an outcome. Uh, and then if we are setting goals based on that, we're actually hindering the, the whole other process part of it. You know what I'm saying?
0: Oh, I know exactly what you're saying. Because I really struggled setting goals in the first couple years of my business. And there there was times where I didn't set certain goals. And I was under more of the philosophy of I'm going to wake up, show up and try my best every right. day. And I'm going to work 15 hour days. And wherever I get to at the end of the year is the best. Like there isn't anything better that I could have done. And, and that that alleviated some of the anxiety for me. And again, that's just ego, because mm-hmm. why don't I want to set the goal? I'm highly competitive. I did a this personality test called Finder, And my number one strength was competition. Right. And like I knew I was competitive, but that even surprised me a little bit. And so that's, that's the ego is that if, if I don't make it, what's going to happen? Am I going to collapse? <laughs> right. Uh, and so I, I, set goals all the time with my business. It's actually pretty rare that I hit them. I get, you know, pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, cause the goals are big, they're lofty and, uh, they keep pushing me forward. And, um, So getting back to the question though, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's the same thing. It's about, so setting an intention. that's the goal. Mm -hmm. We want to reach 1 million or 10 million or a hundred million dollars this year in revenue, for example, and, uh, setting that goal. And then there's a doing the planning. So every month we need to bring in this much or every Mm -hmm. quarter we need to do, like set the metrics, measure it. Um, if you're falling behind, understand what's happening but you set that goal and then just focus on the doing focus on the process and yeah the goal's out there but don't get emotionally attached to it Mm -hmm. just show up and and do your work every day and then that goal and especially when you break it down into quarters or months um, those are your signposts to just Understand like are even heading in the right direction? Like right. we want We wouldn't drive blind mm-hmm. um, We wouldn't just start driving to a new destination that we've never been uh, w- without having some sort of map right right <laughs> and Markers along the way. So I think that's it is is that's how I've balanced it is I do set the goals and I make them ambitious but attainable And of course, smart goals, and they need to be specific and measurable, all those types of things. And, um, but then just focus on, on the doing Mm -hmm. and that, that's a good way to, uh, relieve some of that anxiety.
1: Um, that's cool, man. Uh, So earlier you mentioned that you feel like being a, being a risk taker, there's a natural proclivity that you have to risk taking. So is that, is it a natural personality trait that some people are born with and some people are not? Uh, You said that you felt like you were always a risk taker and maybe talk about how your, were your, were your parents, do you feel like your parents were risk takers? Did you grow up in an environment that said, let's, let's go for it uh, as opposed to an environment that was a little bit more, Hey, you know be a little bit more cautious or hey let's think about this a little bit more um and maybe how how did how did that form in your life and then the second part of that would be what can someone do who who's, who's more cautious uh to to find ways to take more risks in their life
0: yeah it's, those are great questions so as far as the first one i do believe that there is this genetic predisposition to taking risks. It's a certain personality trait. Mm -hmm. um, But then of course, it's it's your environment that also needs to influence that. And so I think of my younger brother, he's a couple years younger than me. He, if my risk taking (laughs) is somewhere in the 90 to 100% range, his is somewhere in the zero to 10% range. Really? we complete opposite ends of the spectrum. And he just has a very different uh, personality, much more um, introverted and, and uh, it, it just a different way his mind is, is wired. Hmm. And I think my sister is somewhere in between us. Um, and she's not as much of a risk taker as myself, but are you the oldest? I am. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then as far as the family, that, that initial environment that I was around, my dad is a pretty big risk taker and he's an entrepreneur as well. And he's taking a lot of risks, had a lot of failures, a lot of successes. And then my mom is very um, conservative when it comes to uh, taking risks too. So there was a nice balance there. Okay. Um, and so some examples would be when I was like, my dad was always pushing me, and that's something that I even have recently started to understand. Like, I could see my personality now and see how it ties back right. in different ways to my family, my parents, and so I've started to uh, thank him for pushing me so hard when I was a kid, because like I've really connected that back to my drive yeah. and my you know ability to just step into fear. And I remember I was about 16. We were on a trip to Hawaii. I was surfing. It was, uh, this must have been <laughs> maybe 96, 97, somewhere around there. And it was an El Nino year. And the waves were just mm. massive. Uh, we're at, uh, we're in, in Maui. And this outside set, which I was not in, is where people were getting towed in with jet skis. That was just becoming a thing back then. Mm -hmm. And the waves were probably 30, 40, 50 feet faces. The inside, the waves were probably around, you know, 20 feet plus. And I went out there and my dad wanted to take photos of me. So I paddled out and I was just too afraid to catch the waves. It's really shallow. It's your feet are like dragging on the bottom when you're sitting on top of the board, coral reef. um, And, And anyway, so I'm just in the lineup and then I get caught in a a rip current and I get sucked out. I'm starting to get sucked out towards these huge waves in the back. I'm paddling sideways. I wind up getting out of the rip current and and wind up on the shore like a mile down and I'm like walking back up the road and my family's driving down the minivan and my dad's like, hop hop on in. (laughs) And so anyway, we go back to the hotel and and they were waking up the next day and he's like, all right, pack your things up. We're going to go and get that, get those photos photos today. And I'm just like, there's no way I'm going back. And uh, he just basically forced me to go back. Yeah. And uh, the the waves had, it was a little stormy the first day and the sun was out the second day and everything was clean. And I wound up catching three, four waves, some of the biggest waves that I've surfed um, in my life Yeah. and caught some great photos. And that's just like one of many stories that have that I didn't think about for a long time until recently as mm-hmm. I started to try to better understand myself. And, uh, I'm just really thankful for that. And I've found that that's how I teach other people. Mm-hmm. I'm not the best teacher. I basically just push people like if they're on a ski hill and they're afraid, I will just like push them sometimes physically, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. mentally. And, uh, most people hate that and they get really mad at me. Um, but others I think appreciate it as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's that, that's a little bit about the, the nature versus the nurture and, and same thing when I was snowboarding. Another thing that I realized as I'm going off cliffs and just taking these risks and going really fast is, is, um, is just really realizing i am wired for this like right. i see a like a cliff or like i like to jump off cliffs into the ocean too mm-hmm. like when i'm on the side of a cliff if it's something i can't jump off of um i, I just like i had this like urging me to just run and jump off of it and sometimes i'm scared i have to like hold on to railing because i'm almost like it's You're irrational yourself but, off this edge yeah, yeah i know yeah, that if i was on top of a building. It's like, what is that? It's it's like there's just something wired in me to do that. And um that 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 isn't environment. Like environment has helped just shape that. But yeah. it's um anyway, it's it's something that again, how do I channel more of that back towards my business? Because of course I'm taking risks. I started a company, we're growing, I'm hiring people, um but it's like I want to take even bigger risks like, or just feel more comfortable in the risks right. that I'm taking. So it, it's something I'm still trying to crack the code on myself.
1: Hmm. It seems like – I don't know if you do this now or not, and I'm asking. Because when you have someone in your life that is encouraging you and pushing you like your dad – Right. You blow, you get out there, you get, you basically save your life. You know, you're not washed out to sea. He comes down, he gets you in the van. And then the next day, all right, let's go back out. You know, you're, when you have someone in your life like that, uh, that is, you know, facilitating or, or, or giving you confidence or, you know, saying I'm behind you, I know you can do it. Do you find yourself like looking back now and saying, you know, I know my maybe subconsciously or something, you know, I know my dad would say let's go back out there and do it or does does has having that type of an individual in your life benefited you when it comes to taking bigger steps now? Would you say maybe maybe not consciously? I don't even know.
0: It does. Absolutely. It's um, it, But only because, and this is something else I, I encourage everyone to do that's listening, is it's self-discovery and introspection. And it's only through meditating and contemplating and really starting to just have this genuine desire to better understand myself mm-hmm. and why I, why I am the way I am, is that now I do have these mental images of Um, like that story specifically of being in Hawaii and that come up into my mind and help encourage me. It's almost like having that guide, that invisible guide. That's just that voice, like on one shoulder. So on one shoulder, it's like, don't do this. (laughs) That's the ego. It's like, don't do this. You'll kill me if we don't make it. (laughs) And the other ones like my dad or whoever, you know, other mentors in my life, friends, um, it could even be people that you don't know, like celebrity entrepreneurs like Richard Branson and just understanding them and just channeling them. Like mm-hmm. what would they do and, and have that voice? And uh, yeah, it's definitely helped. And then with my family, too, it's something that as my parents are getting older, they're in like just turned 70 and they're not going to be around forever. And um, I really want to like they, they, like I went through some really hard times when I was younger and they never gave up on me. Mm -hmm. And I want to like, as I'm becoming this adult now, um, I want to like make them proud. Right. And so that's another thing too, is that I, I feel like giving up or not stepping into the fear that I'm, letting them down even though like I definitely wouldn't that's just another way it's that I I could help motivate myself and when you're taking these risks and and especially pushing into unknown territories you need every little mechanism and trick in the book and you just start layering them Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, to give you that confidence so I think that And just to get back to your question, too, around what um, someone could do that's uh, typically playing it safe to take more risks is, one, you just need to accept that the biggest risk is not taking one. Right. And then uh, the second point would be to surround yourself with other risk takers and just let them guide you. And that's something that I do often, both in business and if I'm climbing a glacier and I'm feeling nervous about a certain move and my buddy does it, then I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to step over there and and do that. And then I did it. And then I, boom, built my confidence a little Mm -hmm. bit. And, uh, the third and last thing is you just got to put one foot in front of the other and, uh, begin your journey and, and figure out, like, don't worry about 10 steps ahead. Just, Just focus on the next step.
1: Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's, uh, it sounds to me like you are in a certain way doing for yourself what your business does for your clients creating a narrative that will define your existence and what you're going to do and it's finding ways to relayer that narrative in as many different ways as you can that gives you meaning to your life and that then propels you forward in whatever those endeavors that you find yourself in so I think that's pretty great man yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, uh I don't want to take up too much of your time. You've been so generous and I appreciate that. Uh if you could just uh, kind of close us out let our listeners know where they can find out a little bit more about you, maybe connect with you online and uh and that would be wonderful.
0: Yeah, great. And I'm sure you'll have this in the show notes, but you mm-hmm. could find ignite um my company the branding firm at ignitebrands.com, so it's ignite with a y or find me on twitter brian lisher that's b-r-i-a-n-l-i-s-c-h-e-r is my twitter profile
1: all right brian thanks so much for coming on i appreciate it man all right thanks and, a lot yeah and best to you all right bye-bye okay bye All right. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that interview as much as I did in speaking with Brian. It was a great joy. And now let me give you my top takeaways, the top things I learned personally from speaking with Brian. First of all, we live in a world of uncertainty. For the most part, we don't understand what tomorrow will bring. And sometimes we can allow our fear of the unknown, our fear of the future to prevent us from stepping outside of the things within our comfort zone. In some cases, our potential, the potential that we have to do amazing things in the future, never happens because we refuse to take a risk. Now, Brian talked about some of the risks that he had to take in his life, leaving his job, uh, when he discovered his passions were moving in different directions, and how he overcame the fears associated with those risks, sometimes the risks in life are real. They have real consequences. Like we might die, we might get physically injured or lose a limb or something like that. But sometimes, maybe even many times, those risks are small dragons with a loud roar. What do I mean by that? There's not a lot of bite to the consequences. And so Brian asked us to ask ourselves the question, what's the worst thing that can happen? What's the worst thing that can happen if we take this risk and fail, and then putting a realistic picture on that scenario? It helps us to see many times the worst isn't really that bad, and most times it's not a matter of life and death. Doing that can help us to step out and take some more risks in our life. Second, this has to do with what do we do if we aren't naturally predisposed to a life of risk-taking or adventure. Some of us are a little bit more cautious. Brian mentioned how he's always had something inside of him which kind of propelled that risk-taking, adventurous sort of life. But what do we do when that's not necessarily our nature? Well, he talked about having the courage to step forward in life and do the things you may not be comfortable doing. I recently heard about a study. That was given and taken of people who were in the later years of their lives and they were asked to look back and ask themselves the question, what regrets they had in their life? Well, one of the top three answers given was, I wish I had taken more risks. And here's the thing. It's difficult to recognize the potential regrets, right? Right now in life, we don't see what we do or what we don't do as a potential regret. We only see that in the future when we begin to look back on it. But in the moment, it's difficult to recognize that. But if we can look at life from that perspective. Marshall McLuhan talked about driving into the future while looking in the rearview mirror. And he meant uh, that we look at the past and the past kind of guides us and helps us to predict what the future is going to be. But if we can go into the future with a rearview mirror sort of view that Always thinking, well, how am I going to look back on these times in my life? What will the, When I'm in the future, how will I look back? That might help us to find the courage we need to take some more risks as we move forward. Well, that's all for today. I hope you have enjoyed listening to this podcast. Please remember, the show notes are at mindforlife.org slash zero five seven. While you're there, you can also download the 52 Essential Skills Assessment and join us on the course. And again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.